The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. All-star break uh, is in effect. Uh, We got to see the skills competition. Uh, I actually was not able to see the game. I will hopefully catch it on replay at some point this week. But guess what happens tomorrow night? Nothing, because hockey doesn't start up until Wednesday, I heard. Wrong. Ooh, I like wrong. Oh, we have we do have real hockey tomorrow night. It's the 7th of February. It's the first Monday of February. That's correct. Men's Beanpot Tournament. Yeah. Um, as you all know, BUBC Northeastern and Harvard will be uh, competing for the most prestigious local honors in the in all of hockey. Um, yeah. The women's tournament is already underway, and you should be looking forward to that final and the uh, consolation game. Uh, but tomorrow night, Monday the 7th, game starts, uh, the games start early. Um, five, and we'll dive I believe it's that. 5 o'clock. Five o'clock for the first game, eight o'clock for the second game. They're actually going to be showing them on the NHL network. The NHL network is showing hockey. What a novel. College novel. hockey. Oh, yes. Well, they couldn't possibly show NHL hockey. <laughs> but let's let's go over some of the other stuff we have coming up for the show, because we have good guy Johnny Worse and uh, Gary Bettman doing their best to contribute to the larger sports community. Um, We have more on uh, Brad Aldrich and what a remarkable human being he is. Um, Some scouting uh, information for those of you paying attention to the upcoming NHL draft. Um, Some talk about the All-Star Weekend. Uh, Potential trades, um, including a fantastic... Uh, proposal by um, one Kevin O'Keefe. And, um, oh, KHL is uh, shortening its season, and that may have an impact on prospects coming over. Where do we want to jump in? Uh, Black Blackhawks and good guys? What is this? I mean, we should probably start with the all-star stuff, but... The black, whole Blackhawk piece probably needs to be taken as a chunk because it really, really does start, or at least my interaction with the whole thing starts with the with NHL um, with the with Yahoo's NHL Sports Twitter uh, handle winning winning Twitter for at least a week and possibly the entire internet forever. The NHL um, is winning hawk is winning Yahoo is winning Twitter. Oh, you didn't look at the tweet yet. Look at the tweet. Um, the job post from hell. From Yahoo Sports NHL. Public relations manager, Chicago. <laughs> um, has anybody clicked the apply now link yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering how many actual clicks this has generated. Literally... Almost Zero. fell out of my chair when I saw this tweet uh, back on the third. Why? 
because the NH. See, I personally think that Johnny Wurz and Gary Bettman really went out of their way to take attention away from uh, the whole discrimination suit, the latest discrimination suit coming against the NFL uh, for um, Brian about uh, from Brian Flores regarding uh, discrimination. And I think that Rocky Wurz found the perfect way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. in the wake of some completely disgusting new allegations against Brad Aldrich um, and <sighs> from the media uh, regarding how the team is going to move forward. Rocky Words had just short of a foamy mouth meltdown on TV in front of 20 to 30 members of the press and yet singles out two members of the press and yells at them like I just opens his mouth and literally word vomit for over a minute. Uh, and he wasn't even taking questions regarding moving forward. I can understand not wanting to talk about stuff that's admittedly 12 years in the past. And he did admittedly say that, yes, the people who were involved are no longer part of the organization. Um, but he kind of went off the rails on this one. Okay. So much so that he issued not one, but two apologies in less than three days. Two. Two. Is not one good enough? Or Apparently no. Oh, okay. um, and Gary Bettman, who is, of course the crusader for all that is right in the world who doesn't want to have to explain anything to his daughter. Um, well, I can see where that would be difficult. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what other job exists for parents other than explaining things to their children and helping them become accustomed to the world as it is. What we saw from Rocky was frustration, frustration, which it was an emotional – I think most media are calling it an outburst, and the most unfortunate thing about it is it's completely inconsistent with all the work that the Blackhawks are doing. A lot of personnel have left. Jamie Faulkner and Danny Wirtz are really running things day to day. They are bringing in a wellness department. They're having training. They're counseling. They know they have to do everything right to create an environment that has an open, welcoming, and safe culture. And that's what they're working on. Here's the thing. Johnny Works should have said that. If he had said, we're bringing in a wellness part, uh, wellness team, we brought in those, uh, we brought in counselors, we're, we're, we're actually working to get to make sure that none of this happens again, and we've gotten rid of all of the people, none of this would have happened. So yes, clearly, but clearly but in solidarity with those other beleaguered billionaires of the NFL. But how much better does it sound if Gary Bettman comes to the rescue of Rocky? Instead of Rocky saying it, how much better does it sound coming from the the commissioner of the NHL saying that they're doing this and they're doing that? If Rocky says it, it's just Rocky saying it. But if Gary says it, well, now well, Gary is clearly the most popular person in sports. Oh, we know this. 
especially when you know the playoffs come around and he has to present trophies we we get to hear how popular he is especially when he stands there and says oh come on you can do better than that okay rocky words if he were the public relations person or even a director of a department for 99% of public companies in the U.S. would have been fired before he managed to make it backstage. This is true. Because over the line, flat out over the line, um, he was rude. He didn't do anything to enhance the company image. He was not protecting the company image. And he j- he flat out made himself look not only ridiculous and reactionary, but like he didn't care about the victims. Now, if he was not directly involved and there's nothing indicating that he ever was in either the cover up or the and certainly Brad Aldrich went off all by himself um, and did some pretty disgusting things. Um, Wait, is this the outburst from outburst from Rocky? <clears throat> oh, there's video of it. We're not there's... going to talk about the report on Beach. We read it. We're moving on. I think you're out of line. I don't like your questions. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Okay, how old is this man? Twelve? Um, I, I suspect he's something around the age of 60, but uh, don't quote me. Wow. Okay, that was adult. <laughs> the whole thing is utterly ridiculous. First of all, Brett Aldrich is a tool. Like, complete and utter now, tool. Brad Aldrich's ambulance fertilizer. I can't say what I think because we're that kind. You know, we're a family show. I can't say what I think. So the best I can do is he, he's a tool. Um, I, I'm sorry. And what he did was just despicable. And the fact that we're still talking about it and that this guy is still dominating our our showtime. Okay, so here's. Um, this is from a TSN story earlier this week from Rick Westhead. Um, mm-hmm. Former student, uh, now in his 30s and working in the hockey industry, asked for uh, anonymity. John Doe number three in the law in these lawsuits. Um, the. The story is really, really, really just it's classic predatory behavior. If you well, ever yeah, take any sort of training regarding what sexual predators actually look like and how they behave, this is textbook. Like I can assure you at some point in the future, if it hasn't happened in the last year or two, Brad Aldridge will be used in some sort of training, whether it's psychology or police work uh, or even corporate manuals 
on how to spot and avoid hiring or terminate sexual predators, his name will be in there. Um, TSN article is pretty interesting uh, in that train wreck sort of way or, you know, watching someone burn alive. Um, the fact that this clown he used. OK, here's a, here's one of the quotes. We this is after talking about working with John, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze and Stan Bowman and, uh, and how he was friends with them to J, uh, John Doe number three. We went back to his apartment. We got this memorabilia, he, he, and he's got this memorabilia wall set up with the Olympic silver medal and his gold medal from the women's juniors. There's a picture of him holding up the Stanley Cup, and he's also got his Stanley Cup ring there on the shelf, which he lets me try on. Um, Aldrich was apparently a video coach for the women's uh, uh, team. Uh, we, John Doe says he drank two more beers, went to sleep on Aldrich's couch. And woke up in the middle of the night with Aldrich on top of him. Uh, when I woke up, my pants were around my ankles. And the rest you can read for yourself. Um, he told Aldrich off and uh, left the apartment. Um, this is... <sighs> This is not the type of thing that can be allowed to continue to happen. No. I I can't even make jokes about it. Like, I will joke about Rocky Worse and Gary Bettman. I think that they were both imbecilic in their behavior. Brad Aldrich, the epitome of selfish evil. Oh, and it's like I said, and, despicable. It's awful, and it, it it needs to. And the way it's just getting covered and shoveled aside, and there's more and more of it coming out all the time. There's there's talk about additional people coming forward. Um, people underestimate the impact of sexual predators. If you know anything about them, you know that they have multiple victims and they do not stop until they're incarcerated and prevented from reaching victims. That's it. Uh, there are other ways to stop them, and most of them are not something most people will embrace. Um, Aldred... Yeah. Um, I need to I, take a shower or something. I'm done, <laughs> I'm done with that. Um, Johnny Wir- Rocky Wirtz did issue an apology. It's it's actually fairly. I can embrace the fact that it's sincere, or at least it feels sincere. Uh huh. Um, but it shouldn't have been necessary. If it, you know that you're building a way to protect your people. If you know that you're building a way to protect your people, you should be proud of that. If you're making efforts to make your organization better today than it was yesterday, that's supposed to be the goal of every organization. That's why it, 
That's why it I, should have been Rocky Wirtz telling us what the organization was doing. I, I mean, I was obviously saying it tongue in cheek when I said that it sounds so much better coming from Garrett. No, we need to hear it from the owner, from the person directly responsible for what's going on with that organization. If they're going to put all these things in place, he needs to be letting us know. He needs to be giving us updates, telling us this is what we're doing. You should not be sitting there arguing with the press and then letting Gary come to your rescue. That is just a bad look all around. It's a bad look for the organization. It's a bad look for the NHL. If you're setting up programs to protect your business, to protect the people involved in your business, to protect your community, a.k.a. your fan base and revenue stream, uh-huh. That's something you should be proud of. And he was asked about the future. He was asked specifically, what are you doing to prevent this in the future? Any sane person or reasonably sane person is going to jump up and down at the opportunity to get their position it, it, it their so- out in front. It was and- a softball lobbed over the heart of the plate. He could have knocked it out of the park instead. Nope. That wasn't a softball. That was a legit T-ball. Like, <laughs> there was a ball sitting there on a rubber peg directly okay. in double. <sighs> yeah. Good Greatest known. logo in sports and well, wanna... organizational, organizationally, yeah, it's slightly better than uh, – never mind. Just never mind. Terrible. Let's – Talk about the All-Star event. Uh, event. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I have anyone who's listened to the show or read my blogs previously. I've never liked, I've never liked the All-Star games. And I think that the three on three shinny is an even lesser <laughs> incarnation. Oh, I have to say, I have to say something. Because I watched the replay. I watched the replay of the first two because I I missed it as well. So my first thought is that you put it on in not in prime time, but in the middle of the day. Which is weird. Which in the the middle of the day on a weekend when everybody else is out doing something usually. I mean, here in the Northeast, yes, we had weather and that probably kept some people inside. But if it was on at, say, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon here, that means it started at noon in Vegas or something like that. Noon in Vegas on a Saturday? Are there any locals who are actually sober enough to know what's happening on the ice? And then the announcing – I don't see people who live there, but people who are there for the game. Because if I were attending the All-Star game as a fan in Vegas – I'd have gotten back to my after the after the skills competition. I'd have gotten back to my hotel room around four or five a.m. Um, showered, changed clothes, gone out for a buffet breakfast around seven, and started drinking around eight. And by noon, yes, I probably not be in shape to drive an automobile. The other thing that the other thing that bothered me is that now hockey is played in three periods. 
Not two halves? Not two halves. So during the All-Star game, and I'm doing air quotes. Events, yeah, events. Uh, yeah. They played two 10-minute halves. However, the announcers, Ray Ferraro and Sean McDonough, kept referring to them as periods. Habit, yep. Intermission, the first period intermission. We got a, We got the second period coming up. And then after that, we'll be playing the East against the, the – It's a, wait a minute. Are there two periods? No, there's two periods, two halves. There's two 10-minute halves. It's not periods anymore. I understand that it's habit because it's hockey. I get that. But it just sounded so wrong. It's that like is- saying offsides. It's offside. Well, you can only be offside thing. once. <laughs> the all-star event is supposed to be a marketing bonanza. Um, okay. And it is. So why why would you go to this three on three, ten minutes, two ten minute uh halves periods halves <laughs> versus three twenty minute periods where you had all the opportunity where you have far more opportunities to uh, to add, you know, branding and marketing opportunities and sell breakaways and prop bets and everything. Well, the Not idea to mention sponsored interviews and yeah, why? The idea is, and and I I figured this all out on my own. I guess the idea is that they're still playing the same amount of time on ice as you would in a regular hockey game with three periods because you got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Actually, it's 80 because they have a consolation game, do they not? I don't believe they do, actually. Oh, okay, that's good. Then, I then 60. they're actually the winners and get to go out and party. Uh, I'm confusing it with the bean pot that does have a consolation game, but okay. So they play 60 minutes on ice, but not everybody gets to play because the two teams that lose are, are done. Bye-bye. See you. Yes. Have a nice night. So not everybody gets to play all 60 minutes. And, oh, by the way, nobody has uh, – one team had one defenseman on it, the Metropolitan, I believe it was. So Rod Brindamore had to put Sebastian Ajo on defense because he only had one true defenseman on the team. So Sebastian Ajo of the Her- of the Carolina Hurricanes was appearing as Sebastian Ajo of the New York Islanders. Correct. Oh, okay. Yes. Correct. Yeah, I, I mean it's and they don't play defense and they're they're getting on the goaltenders because Gibson gave up a goal in 13 seconds. I'm sorry. Maybe if they played some defense in front of him, Tom Wilson wouldn't have scored 13 seconds into the first game. And Tom Wilson was, of course, an all-star, and Brad Marchand is not. Yeah, that don't get me started on that one either, because somehow Tom Wilson snuck his way in when when uh, Ovechkin Ooh. couldn't make it. Because he'd be my he'd be my first choice after Ovechkin. Let's see, Ovechkin, uh, Kuznetsov. Oh yeah, Wilson. Yeah, he he certainly deserves to be there. Yeah, not, I, I not John Carlson or or I can't think of more than ten or twenty skaters oh, in oh, in man, the we... in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> no more than ten or twenty in the Eastern Conference. I'm sorry, I I don't know what the the, the ploy is, and 
the skills competition. Uh, uh, they, they attempted to make it fun. Like they brought they brought back the trick shot competition, which I, um, I thought Hughes should have won that one. Uh, well, no, Hughes should have been second. Um, who is oh Zegris? I think should have probably gotten first, but yeah, I. I thought that a lot of the events were a little flat. I think it might have been overproducing. Like, there was no... The All-Star events were pretty, were very pretty. But it seemed to lack a little tiny bit of the organic... Um, of the organic... Nature that we've seen in the last three or four All Star games, like it was every angle. There was no, there was no dead time. You didn't get as much time seeing the uh, the players interact and goof around. Well, mm-hmm. um, and I thought one thing where they sort of failed was those light up pucks on the uh, on that. <laughs> Passing one out in the yeah. Bellagio fountain. Yeah. Light the pucks up already, or I don't know. Make the make the areas they're supposed to land pressure sensitive, so what? that you can see. But all of the time spent trying to get some of the pucks to light up, especially when some of them didn't. No. They went back to the old way of doing the 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 accuracy with the breakable card with the breakable discs instead of having the light up ones that told you where you, oh was that a diff oh was that a different I didn't see that was when, that a different act was that a different skill because you had to hit the, the one light. that Bergeron competed in that, that was, was that was the accuracy and um I also think that they need to have better passers doing the passing to the players Yes. I don't care if you have a couple of former NHLers out there um, doing the passing. Uh, I thought that they were that some of those passes into the shooters were a little inconsistent. Now, if Patrice Bergeron had Patrice Bergeron passing to him, then he probably if, would have went four for four. <laughs> if Patrice Bergeron had Anson Carter and uh, Wayne Gretzky passing to him, yeah, he probably would have gone four to four, four for four. And those two already work for the NHL. Or maybe Jeremy Roenick and uh, who's not working for the NHL at the moment. But um, I think that that's a better use of celebrity. Yeah. Have a couple of people come in who. If you make that announcement, you know. And passing, you know, passing to the players during the accuracy competition is Hall of Famer and top scorer Wayne Gretzky. Okay, that, you know, that would get a rise from the crowd. Anson Carter would get a rise. You know, not Joe Schmo from the practice squad. And I think that there are things that can still be tweaked. I, I overall enjoyed the skills competition. I always do do but i, I thought it i was enjoy a- it better than the game itself i mean i was glad victor it, we still haven't had a 108 mile an hour shot victor hedman 
to win it. I tweeted just before that competition started that um, he was that no, I would be shocked if two players actually crossed 103, and I was right. Uh, it was. I was, yes, it was nice that they all crossed 100, but I was never wowed by any of the shots. And they seem to have tweaked it again as to where players start moving, can start moving. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's, I, I, I think it's going to be a while before we see another Chara versus Weber for hardest shot. I don't think anybody's coming close to those two guys anytime soon. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be a little while. Um, overall, well, that's one of those events where pure mass really helps. Yeah. When you look at some of the other events, I genuinely think that the players who are most excited to be there did the best. Like, look at the fastest skater competition. Wow. Talked about Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid as the fastest player in the NHL and for yet. like five years. Easy. Mm-hmm. And he plays fourth this year. Not anymore. He plays fourth. Fourth, wow. And I think some of that is just wear and tear on the body, which is okay. He didn't. He certainly didn't have a terrible time. But who do you think was genuinely more excited to be in the building? Connor McDavid or Jordan Kiru? Uh, Jordan Kiru, first time, first time All Star. Connor McDavid, All Star every year he's been in the league, so this was his fifth appearance. Fifth I'm thinking fifth. Connor was probably at the point where he's like, "Yeah, been here, done this, been there." You know, it's a been there, done that kind of moment for him. I mean, sure, it's exciting, it's All Stars, but I mean, after, after a while, the luster wears off, and for Kiru, I'm sure the luster is still very much vibrant absolutely and look at the same way for the trick shot competition you know you had the two guys who most deserve to win in my very humble opinion or guys who were there for like the first or second time yeah um i genuinely believe as much as i want some of the older guys there personally i think after you've been there three years five times or three times in a row, you should be, you should not be penalized uh, for taking the weekend off and allowing someone else to go. They've got to find second or third time. Yeah. You need to be there because you're probably still not getting good car insurance rates, but uh, you know, having, having guys like uh, it was the younger, the Kachuk, um, and Kiru and Hughes all clearly excited to be there. And Trevor Zegris and Troy Terry just, that was the fun. That's the most fun part of the, of the entire weekend. And I don't know. I They need to, I mean, they need to find something. They need to find some way to get the goalies more involved and just have them be target practice in the actual "quote unquote" game itself. Uh, also, that you know what? Maybe have the goal. Maybe have the goalies do the passing for the. Uh, <laughs> there you go. For, for the accuracy shooting. There you go. I, I hadn't thought of that. 
Um, the other thing about the other thing is, and this is my complete take, is that when they do All Star Weekend, I don't feel any emotional connection to the game. That's the biggest problem with it. I feel nothing. I, I'm watching the game, and when I'm watching. Yes, when I'm watching my home team, I get all excited. Bruins score, I'm jumping up and down. Penalty, I'm screaming at the TV. There's no emotional connection to the All-Star game, to the All-Star festivities. It's exciting to watch the skills, and they're a little bit – the players are a little bit looser. They're loosey-goosey. They're skating around. They're having fun with each other. You know, the whole thing with a couple years ago, not a huge Brent Burns fan, but the whole thing with – the costumes that they were doing. P.K. Subban was there and, and, you know, things like that that just made them more personable. And but the game itself has nothing. That's one of the things that needs to be a big part of the All-Star festivities is big personalities. Like, I know I just suggested that people not be penalized for, for backing out. Uh, like, but Ovechkin... He's one of the biggest personalities in the league. Brad Marchand, again, big personality. There is literally no way that if you get him, if you allow him a couple of weeks to prepare for the trick shot competition, he's not going to come up with something at least a little bit silly. And his interviews are going to be fired. Like, going to be fired. Um, Particularly if he gets to go and play with, you know, Someone he knows well, whether it's a current Bruins teammate or he's there and Tyler Sagan's there, the same uh, same all-star event or any other former Bruin who he was reasonably close to. He's going to have a lot of fun. And despite all of his silliness, he's never gotten as he's never really gotten crude in his interviews so worries about him saying something off, kind of pointless. Yeah. I just uh, they need to find some way to make it. And and, and I understand that it's a, it, because it's a conglomerate of. of con, uh, it's a marketing event. Yeah. But they Here's, need to. But the, they, more, the less ahead, there is, the less there is any kind of emotional attachment to it the more difficult it's going to be to bring in. Bring in new fans. And that's part of what it's supposed to do. Maybe another thing that they can do is go to a three man booth for the all-star event and rotate in injured players um, who would have been at the all-star game um, each, each period or during the skills competition um, so you're getting you're getting the voices of players and maybe a coach or two, you know, John Tortorella or someone else with that big personality who, uh, who is going to be able to just inject some life and a few things we don't know about the players uh, into the discussion. Um, and for that matter, I think that if you're not going to do what the what Major League Baseball has done and have it impact the home uh, who has home uh, home advantage in the finals, yeah, make a big charity game. 
you know, NHL is going to contribute or the various sponsors are going to contribute a certain amount of money each time to each player's, um, each player's favorite charity. Every time they score, pick up an assist or for goaltenders, get a save. Um, so that at least you'll get a little bit of pace out of the game, even if it's not necessarily a great game. Okay. But you're you're 100 right. I have never seen an all star game of whatever it's called in any league where it was engaging. I think the closest the, the closest I've come was 1999. Ray was it 99 Ray Bork 90. The one where Ray Bork a scored the game winning goal was not was named. Now was he really the MVP of the game? Eh. But, I mean, that was his close to the end of his career. But it was also held here in Boston. So it, because of the locale and the fact that it was Ray Bork's final or second to last, or it, it, there was a little bit of emotion in it for me. But to be honest, I I don't sit down and say, I've got to watch the All-Star game this weekend. Or no. it's not the most pressing thing to me. I I freely admit I didn't even remember what time it was on. I knew what t- I knew when the I knew when the skills competition was. I was in front of the TV fully half an hour early. Uh, beverages uh, around, that's, so I didn't even have to get up except during commercials. And that says that that right there says something. The game, no connection. The skills competition. It does something for you. That's why you were there. And that's my point throughout all of this is that there's just not enough to get me fired up about it. I get more fired up about trade deadline. I get more fired up about off season, the playoffs, obviously the playoffs. This year, the draft is going to be difficult to forget because it's on a specific day. Oh, that day is—is is it on? I think I know which day it's on. Not even looking it up. I don't have to look it up. It's actually the day before and the day of. But my—that's my point—is that I have some—I have emotional connections to those dates. Deadline. I need to know what's going on. I start yep. watching the silliness like now, even though the deadline is March twenty-first. <laughs> Deadline silliness, uh, deadline silliness and free agent silliness are the two best non-hockey days uh, of the hockey calendar. Absolutely. Uh, and the All-Star game is probably like seventh because even the release of the schedules is more exciting than that. But hey, Jordan Eberle, the only Kraken representative, he had himself a decent game. I'm pretty sure he scored a goal. Jordan Eberle, I he's a player I've always liked. Um, I feel bad for him that he's playing on such an awful team. Yes. Um, but Jordan Cairo not only unseated uh, McDavid, he's he mm-hmm. had in the All Star shinny. Really? Well. Would he score five points in the game in in in, in the All Star event? 
Um, I thought it was four. I could be off. Four or five. I'm getting my numbers confused. Uh, Four points, yes. In the semifinal win, one shy of the single game record under the three-on-three format. Okay, he may have had one in the previous game, but in the in the and the fourth Blues player to have a four plus four plus points in an All Star game, any format. Um, I thought Jack Hughes and the Magical Mini Me were really hysterically funny. Jack Hughes and the Magical Mini Me. Um, that was. <laughs> You know, a magic routine is pretty much a requirement at some point. Um, But I still think that between that and. Yes. uh, And the dodgeball by uh, Zegris, there's no excuse for one of those two not winning. Zegris gets a lot of credit for pulling off. His lacrosse style goal scoring, they call it the Michigan, because the first player to 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 have been seen doing it and doing it more than once played for the University of Michigan. Um, I think it's I think it's I think it's a sharp goal. It shows off some skill, but it's getting to be almost ho hum. I mean, Aho's done it. Oh. Svechnikov has done it. It's. I, I think it's. I think it's rapidly becoming the slam dunk of of hockey. Slam dunks a hundred thousand years ago, when Jordan was still early in his career, were really interesting. There was one Sometime. game where he tried to pass it. He tried to flip the puck up over the net in front of the net, which was actually a little bit more interesting. It wasn't successful, but. The commentators were saying how the one the one player on the ice that's not going to be happy about it is the goaltender, and <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to aggravate the guy wearing you know the most pads on the ice. <laughs> I don't think most of the goaltenders are quite as fiery as certain guys uh, who shall remain nameless from the not so distant past. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I. I loved I loved what Hughes put into it because it clearly showed a lot of thought and the mini me basically scored the goal the exact same way. It was <laughs> it was a note for note uh, move, um, which meant that he and the I'm assuming a younger cousin um, practiced it fairly extensively. Another Hughes. Oh, my goodness. Another <laughs> Uh, this one's got to be at least six or seven years younger. I believe Jack is the youngest of that family. So I think cousin, but I'd have Luke. to have to dig deeper. Luke, the one that's currently uh, attending Michigan, I'm, is the youngest. One who was just drafted last year. Okay, you're uh, you're right there. But uh, the Quinn, Quinn, Jack, Luke, I think is the order. Um, Claude Giroux finally picked up an all-star MVP MVP. And it may be one of his, uh, consolation prizes for his career. Um, we don't know whether he's going to be in Philadelphia as a player next year or not, but 
Um, good for him. Uh, nice, nice thing to pick up. It's not exactly going to be uh, a deciding factor in whether he gets into the Hall of Fame or not. No. But um, his his his, his statistics during the regular and postseason are going to do that for him, not what he does in the All Star game. I think it's funny that somebody actually complained about. Giroux winning and wrote Hughes with the game-winning goal in the final and same number of points, but okay. Seriously? You're going to complain about Hughes not getting it because they gave it to Giroux? Hughes is going to be around and have a lot more opportunities to get MVP. Hughes will likely make like at least six more All-Star appearances. <laughs> it's unlikely Giroux will play six more seasons. At 30, what is he, 36 years old, 35 years old? Somewhere around there, yeah. Um, And finally, 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 the Ducks are uh, possessed of a new leader. I wasn't sure when you first brought this up to me because I couldn't – last I had heard they were still in search of – so nope. it, it was surprising to me when you said that they had hired this guy. And he's uh, a well-known player, uh, former player. Uh, Pat Verbeek has assumed the helm of the once mighty Ducks. Um, and this season's probably breakout surprise. They uh, are, no, they are without a doubt this season. This season's breakout surprise. There was nobody expected the Ducks to be in playoff contention at this point in the season, but John Gibson has been playing pretty much out of his mind hockey, and the youngsters are performing at or better than what was expected. They're expect they're performing at a level we expected two years from now or three years from now. Sure, not today. No. But um, it's good to see yep. Pat. It's good to see they got somebody. Pat Verbeek is going to do the job. And I think Pat Verbeek, as a fresh GM, uh, is going to bring. Hopefully, he will bring a little bit more awareness of where the league is today versus someone who's been heads down and trying to make things not fall apart the last five years or ten years in another franchise. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that he can continue the build. It sounds like it sounds like the building blocks have been at least started to be put into place with obviously Zegras, Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Jamie Drysdale. You know, John Gibson not. Wait a minute. Just roll back through those young players again. <laughs> Sam Steele is the oldest of them. Yes, he is. And he's not even old? No. Um, John Gibson's not old, and he's been there longer. But those those skaters alone are worth – those are a decent core, regardless of whatever else you have on the ice. And you add in Adam Henrique and um, Gibson is 28. Adam Henrique and Ryan Getzloff uh, to that package. Even Jacob Silverberg, um, 
you look at their defense, you've got Cam Fowler is still there. Campus Lindholm is still there. Um, even Josh Manson uh, still there and still contributing. You've got. I'm not saying that this team is going to emerge from the Western Conference. I'm saying right now, and your favorite phrases about, or one of your favorite phrases is about to come out of my mouth. Oh, goodness. If the playoffs started. Has... <laughs> yep, that's started the one. Today, I do not want to be the LA Kings. Not if I have to play Anaheim. Exactly. And guess what? Second round? They're they're likely to be playing the winner of Vegas versus St. Louis. I don't know if either of those two teams wants to play them either. Well, if it's St. Louis, I would advise strongly against playing Bennington anyway. Um, I think, you know, as much as as much respect as I have for the Kings roster, the King, the core of the Kings roster is old, hockey old, but has done it before. Mm -hmm. I don't want to play Troy Terry and I don't want to play that young core of Anaheim's when they have no pressure. No, they're playing with house. They're playing with house money right now. Are you kidding? They I mean, weren't expected to be where they are. Oh, and I apologize to Max Kompla. Um, I left got him the off young the young stars guys. too. You realize the most expensive player on that team is actually not playing. I had not. Ryan Kessler, six point eight seven five million. Cam Fowler is at 6'5", and John Gibson is at 6'4". Those are the two most expensive players on the roster. Ryan Kessler, yeah, more money than that. And done, I would guess. I mean, he hasn't played in, what, three years? Maybe more? At least. Uh, Uh, 18-19 season, he played in 60 games. I don't want... If I'm the LA Kings, I, I don't want to play this team. Nope. Like, Not a chance. I don't I don't know who in the Western Conference would want to play them in the first round. Because everyone else has more pressure than they do. Everyone. Well, there's, there, yeah, there's no pressure. I mean... And I'm sure if you ask the guys, they're probably going to tell you, oh, yeah, you know, if you ask Gibson, he's going to tell you that, you know, it's, you know, day to day and he's going to give you all the the cliche answers. And, you know, but, yeah, they're playing with house money here because there's nobody predicted them to be where they are. And if you tell me you did predict it yet, lying. (laughs) Um. Maybe the only team with anything like as little pressure is Nashville, but that t- the the core of that roster is a lot older. Yes. Um, Pat Verbeek is fifty. Oh, just to bring it back around and and finish off the thing. Pat Verbeek is fifty-seven. 
uh, has not been in the staffing business all that long. He spent a couple of years with Tampa Bay Lightning as director of pro scouting, spent seven years as assistant GM, went with Iserman to Detroit to be assistant GM. So basically he's been working with Stevie Y for his entire staffing history until now when he has been lured away and given the <clears throat> the Anaheim GM job, which he's been at for three whole days. 1,424 regular season games, 127 postseason games. Uh, might know his way around the NHL. Yeah, and considering he was assistant GM and was part of what Stevie Y and, and I guess Pat built down there in Tampa Bay and the juggernaut that they've turned into uh, might know his way around signing and, and trading for and acquiring talent. It will be interesting to see where his first, uh, where his first major trades are. Um, if he'll manage to squirrel anyone out of the, uh, out of the, lightning system maybe there's one or two young players in in their development uh process who he has uh his eye on well he's going to be fighting stevie y for that so <laughs> uh, stevie y yes but you know the ducks i think the ducks have more the ducks have enough cap space the ducks have, have cap a- space 11 million, 11 and a half million projected cap space right now. Uh, the other thing they have that's going to be appealing to players, like anyone who's got, uh, who's either a young free agent or, um, or has some say in where they're going because of a no trade or no movement clause. Mm. They've got that young core. Like if you're 22 years old, and your choices are go to Detroit and play Detroit's with. Detroit's got a young core too. I mean, they got Lucas Raymond, Moritz Sider. Um, Detroit's young core hasn't shown themselves yet. Not as quickly not, as Anaheim's has. No. They are not punching at the same level as Troy Terry and Trip Rosigris and Sam Steele. Um, and. Uh, Jamie tries, but there's also there is also not one forward. Uh, there is only one forward on Detroit that's over thirty, and that's Sam Gagne. Lucas Raymond is nineteen years old, first year in the in the league. He's got thirty five points in forty seven games. He's doing all right for himself. They have that. they have young talent. It's not like you said. It's not it's not punching at the same at the same weight. It, it, they're not at the same level as the young the young players in Anaheim, but they're getting there. Moritz Sider, I mean, he's been marinating in the in at in Adirondack of oh, Grand Rapids, excuse me, for uh, a year or so now. I mean, it, they've got I mean, the they've got youth and they've got talent. 
Detroit does have a little bit more draft capital uh, for helping acquire young young players or older players, I guess. That uh, would I be the Stevie Y way. I want to say that if I had a choice as a young player, I, I would be going to Anaheim. Oh, I'm not. Yes, I and I agree. I think that Anaheim, with what they've done this season, are a little closer to playoff runs. Uh, considering they're in a playoff contention now, they 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 are much closer to winning a second round game uh, series than they're, the Detroit Red Wings. Yes, the Red and Wings are also in a tougher division. Senators, which is sh- kind of surprising. Red Wings are also in a tougher division. I'm sorry, the West is squishy. The Pacific West is terrible. It's not even squishy. It's terrible. But yeah, uh, some of the guys you got: Philip Zadina, Raymond Luke, Lucas Raymond. Um, they brought in Pew Suter from Chicago. Like I said they got Moritz Sider on defense. Uh, Philip Ronek. I mean, they've got a lot of youth on that team. So I wouldn't frown. I wouldn't frown on Detroit being there. They're not. No, Anaheim has Anaheim has passed them though. I mean, I wouldn't cry about being traded there, except maybe for the weather. Um, yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> but you yes. know, if you're looking, if you're looking at young players who you know are going to be all stars and play potentially play with you for the next eight or ten years, plus and having that buyers, you buyers at the deadline. Who? So Anaheim's going to be buyers at the deadline. They're not getting rid of anything. If they can help it. Oh, I don't. I don't see either of these teams getting rid of anything. I mean, the Wings might move out a couple of old contracts, older co- players if they can. Um, and I wouldn't blink. I would think it would be silly of them not to. Um, it, like they're actually, they're actually got, they've actually got a lot of cap space as well. They're only about four. They're only about three hundred thousand less than what Anaheim has. They're both over 11 million in cap in, in cap space. But yeah, if they could somehow move Nick Letty or something, or, or even if they could move Nemestikov as a depth forward for someone going into the playoffs, uh, you know, pick up a second or more for him uh, this year, and because uh, he's a UFA after the season. Low cap hit. I think his Nemesnikov is having himself a decent season. Yeah, he's having himself a decent season. Yeah. Not great, but 22 points in 47 games is not. It's on pace to be one of his better seasons. It's not. It's not his best. Depth forward? What's that? Depth forward, yeah. If the Bruins didn't have other needs, I'd be in on that. Um,. The team, I think, is going to probably have to concede that they're broken and need uh, need uh, urban renewal via dynamite. Um, is probably the Islanders. I think so. I, I think don't know. We've if also they're... talked about that before that they. I don't know if they're going to admit it before the draft, or or rather before the deadline. I don't think Lemarello wants to ever admit anything like that. No, Lou Lamorello is 
She's something else. But if they wanted to move people, JG <sighs> is going to be an easy move. At $5 million with term, they ought to be able to pick up a first and a second for him without trying too hard. I wanted the I wanted the Bruins to get him last year. Well, everyone who was sane and understood the Bruins' needs wanted them to get him last year. Um, <laughs> okay, he, thanks, appreciate it. <laughs> Anders Lee is still recovering from the awful season he had last year with injuries, um, so he's probably not movable without having to retain a bunch of salary. Yeah, he's got, uh, he's, got an, he's got an NTC anyway. Yeah, no trades. I, I want to say his has got... 15-team, uh, no trade list. He submits. But they got... They, if you look at that roster... They've got a lot of guys... Word, the first word that comes to mind is a four-letter word. Great. Or aged. Uh, there's that. Yeah, there is a lot sim- of people. Or I could simplify it and just say old. Old. Kiefer Bellows. Yes, they've got Kiefer Bellows. Yes, they've got Oliver Wallstrom. But they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forwards over the age of 30 or older. Pajot is 29. Uh, uh, and you've got Jimmy Green at 39 on the back end. Char at 44, the oldest player in the league. Um your goaltenders, you've got Varlamov and Sorokin. If you really genuinely believe that Sorokin can be your goalie of the future. Sorokin's which, had mo- he's, I, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's got 26 games played. He's got a 924 save percentage and a 231 goals against. I think he's showing that he can handle it. But that's the thing. If he can handle it and you believe it, um. Move, move uh, Varlamov. You know, there's Varley not having a good season, or at least wasn't originally. Uh, he's actually stepped it up. He's at, he's up to a nine sixteen with a two five seven, but he's playing the backup role to Sorokin. But if you can move uh, Varlamov, Matt Martin, or one, uh, or at least one of Matt Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck, JG Peugeot. And I don't see, see, I don't think you're going to get anything for, uh, for Anders, uh, Lee right now. And if you're trading Barzal, you're, you're probably setting your team back. On the other hand, mm-hmm. on the other hand, if you really do feel the urge to move him, you're going to get, you're going to get capped. He's not having a spectacular season with 28 points in 36 games, but it's certainly not awful. And I That's don't think there's a point per game. I don't think many people are going to look at his look at the roster and who he's playing with and say, oh, yeah, uh, well, he's playing with the best players in the league. So it must be him. If you give him slightly better talent around him, like, I don't know, Taylor Hall and. David Pasternak, he probably jumps to right very near a point per game, like eight three, eight five per game at minimum. I, if both guys can keep their heads out of their backsides at once. Okay. Um, and there's other teams that need centers as well. I mean, seven 
Seven million is expensive. Yeah, but for me, if you get a center who's 24 and mm-hmm. he crosses 0. 0.72, 0. 0.73 per uh, points per game, I, yeah. I'm willing to pay that. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a problem with his points production. I'm worried about his I'm worried about his two way play and Okay. Two way play for anyone who's willing, and I think Barzol is, can be taught. See, I have a different opinion of him. I watched him I literally watched him bang his head against the wall uh, well, figuratively, not literally. When he was trying during the playoffs and he was trying to enter the offensive zone during during a power play and three, four times in a row, he tried to drive through whoever they were playing, whether it was Carolina, whoever it was. I think it was Carolina. And they kept stopping him right at the blue line. So instead of chipping it in over their heads and going in, he kept insisting on trying to drive it in himself. That could be coaching, and whether over lack and over of again. But that, but under Trotz, I don't see Trotz, I don't see Trotz as being like you have to do it my way. Look, if it's not working, if you can't get past their blue line, you need to chip it in, dump and chase, go get it, get but it over their heads. There's two other factors there. One, Carolina's defense is one of the best in the league. So you need two, to find another way. Exactly. With the roster he's playing with, were other players making them getting themselves open? to be an outlet for him and get the defense to move. I didn't, I watched the same series you watched and I wasn't seeing much help from the rest of the roster. No, and that's the, the, why I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got one more year on his contract. He'll be an RFA with, uh, with arbitration rights. If you move him for a first, a prospect and a third, and someone comes along and outbids you for him, you're getting back multiple first okay. at that. Or if you don't want to, if you don't want to be seen not matching a, a not matching an offer sheet, you make a trade with the team for the equivalents, as has been done a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not denying the kid's talent. I'm just. I, I, is he the absolute top of my picks for potential centers for Boston? No. Is he in my top five or six? Yeah, I think he would have to be. As okay, far as I can, as I can be, agree with that. That can be reasonably thought to be available. Um, and I have, you and I have different opinions as to the top of our list, so <laughs> we should probably put together a top six. Uh, centers we'd like to see cure the two hole for the Bruins uh, for the next show or I think I, I, I think anybody who's listened could tell you who my top pick is but okay <laughs> uh, it was Coco wasn't it yes we need to bring back Coco absolutely well, we just may be able to uh, the KHL has decided to terminate the rest of the regular season after uh, I, after, I saw this. This is they're going to go directly to playoffs after the Olympics. They they they're shutting down. 
this is part in part because of concerns about potential player restrict uh, restrictions on movement of players after the after the Olympics because the Chinese restrictions are probably more severe than most countries uh, at this point. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting to see where this goes because there's 120 expected KHL players that were that were bound for Beijing. That makes up 40% of their rosters. That's uh, that's a big number. Number. That is a very big number. 100, 120 players, 40% of the team rosters. Uh, the concern is obviously the ongoing pandemic and risk of infection for players as they fly to different cities. Uh, Jason Demers plays in the KHL. I did not know that. There's a lot of former NHL players mentioned in this uh, in this AP article. Kenny Agostino, um, Brandon Yip, uh, Steve Camper, uh, Jordan Wheel. Uh, did see at least two or three others. Uh, Andy Mealy. Um, there's a couple of others, but it would be. I mean, the last quote of the story, it, it makes the most sense, though. It would be tough for teams to come back for four games, especially if they were way out of it, Wheel said. We've got teams like Amher and Vladivostok who have really, really intense travel. And for them to come back for four games and have to maybe fly all the way across continental Russia and then fly home, it's a lot. I get that. The issue is how much more season was there? After the Not Olympic much. break, it Not wasn't much. just four games, was it? it? It appears to have been just a few, just a handful of games for most of the teams. Oh, okay. Because uh, remember, they they play a much shorter season, like mid fifties uh, total games pre COVID, and part of that is the travel. I mean, one end of one end of Russia to the other is a lot. And they have teams in, I don't know, eight countries. Uh, just adding in all of that uh, border crossing and tr- just pure time cannot be bought. But Kokochev is one of those players who might make it to the NHL if someone really, really needs someone. Alexander uh, Kokochev, wow. Yes. Uh, Dominic Tiano, uh, one of the guys who I followed probably since I started on Twitter, um, mentioned Bruins prospect uh, Roman Baichkov um, as potentially being signed uh, to play in the AHL. Um, that would certainly free up more of the young talent for more of the top of the AHL roster for the playoff run for Boston. Um, it looks like it looks like the Providence Bruins should be in the playoffs as well, <clears throat> but I wouldn't call either team's uh, position in their playoff run uh, solid. Um, I'm not sure how excited I would be uh, by Chikov at 20, and I'm not prepared to write off any 20-year-old. 
um, has just two points in his 20-ish games in the KHL um, on a team that's not particularly good. Somebody actually wrote, what about bringing Coco back? Of course they did. <laughs> yeah, two points, eight pims, plus three in in um, in 22 games for the Kabarovsk Amor. Um, he did have a reasonably solid uh, Russian U20 uh, in 2021, seven games, three assists, uh, plus two. So I think there's at least some bare bones there. Okay. Uh, uh, some of the other players that got mentioned in Tiano, who writes for OHL hockey writers, um, worth watching. Um, Danny Zilkin. Uh, yeah. Zilkin. Yeah. Matthew uh, Poitras. Michael Bushinger. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not going to try. And <laughs> uh, Carabella, all of the Erie Otters. Okay. Um, I honestly think uh, Bushinger is possibly the most interesting. Um, just based on the stats, I do need. I did look at a little bit of footage uh, this morning. Um, but didn't get a chance to go hugely deep into it before we started recording. Um, he's a defenseman. Uh, the rest are, I believe, all centers or at least forwards. Um, and Don Sweeney, Boston Bruins GM, was spotted uh, at a game scouting. I don't know if he specifically told uh, either – Ian McClellan, uh, McLaren or Dominic Tiano, that those were the players he was scouting, but they're a reasonable percentage of the team's talent. So not surprising. All of them, O threes and O fours, uh, going to be worth, uh, adding to our list of players to keep track of. Um, what's most interesting about, uh, Schinger and Carabella is, they're not ranked in a lot of the systems, but where they are ranked, they're ranked fairly well. All right. Um, it, it depends on who's doing the scouting, how deep how deep they're digging. I mean, they should be. This team should be turning up every stone that they possibly can because they're. Oh, the Boston Bruins need to rebuild their system. It's terrible. Their system is, yeah. They need to be looking everywhere they possibly can to add some true talent to the – because there is some depth, some talent in, in Providence, but, I, yeah. There's no superstars rolling out of that team. I'm not even sure there's any stars playing in that league, in that team right now, except maybe one. Um, but – Bushinger is only ranked four places. TSN Bob McKenzie, 58. Uh, TSN Craig Button, 73. Mm -hmm. NHL Central Scouting North American Skaters, um, 36. And then Sportsnet is the high the high water market, 26. Um, I'm going to pay attention. He's still 17, doesn't turn 18 until April 25th. Um, so he's one of the, he's definitely in the 
he's definitely one of the younger players in the draft. Um, and that four or five months at that age does make a difference. Uh, just in pure physical development. The trouble is like Poitras is listed as a center. Uh, 5'11", 172. His rankings are in the... I mean, if you throw out the the outliers, which would be the Dauber Prospects rank number 24, Draft Prospects Hockey number 63. Actually, there's one other 23, Central Scouting North American Skaters. But everybody else seems to have them in the high 30s, low 40s. Um, so, I mean, is Poitras, he's with Guelph. I mean, the Guelph Storm are not exactly. Guelph Storm, sorry, yes. The Guelph Storm are not exactly like. They're not an unknown chop, team. Yeah, they're not chopped liver. It's like people have heard of Guelph, you know, and I'm not, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing it correctly. Guelph Storm, Guelph Storm. I think it's Guelph uh, and Jake Carabella, who was uh, Ian McLaren's uh, contribution, um, only ranked by two people, Craig Button, 78, um, and then 61 for North American skaters by uh, NHL Central Scouting. These two smell like Don Sweeney picks. <laughs> Completely under the radar. No one's ever heard of them. And that's the guys that he really seems to love. Okay. Um, and with them being late birthdays, we know that a lot, we've seen a decent number of late birthdays just get underrated uh, because Carabella's birthday doesn't turn 18 until the beginning of next month. March um, 7th for Carabella, March 4th, I think it was, for Poitras. Uh, Matthew Poitras is a March 10th, excuse me. So they're actually really close together, those two. Yes. Um, that like if I see one of these guys get drafted by Sweeney, I will in no way be shocked. Not just because we've had the heads up, but because of what what Sweeney's draft history looks like. Um, just so long as they're not like top ten picks or anything. <laughs> Well, there's the <clears throat> there's the there is the question as always. The Bruins have their own first and second round picks. They have Calgary's third round pick, and mm-hmm. then they have their own uh, picks remaining as of right now. With the trade deadline coming up, I assume that their array of picks will change. Um, well, if they if they make one of the moves I want them to make, then yeah, they're probably going to be without that first round pick, which I'm uh, sure everybody is going to get all upset about. But you know, do you I mean, want- I guess it depends on who gets healthy between now and the deadline. Because if they can pick up, if Jake Saboral is healthy again, mm-hmm. they move him and they pick up a second round pick. Uh, in exchange. Okay. Maybe someone takes pity on them and picks up uh, Chris Wagner. <laughs> or John Moore. John Moore. That's where I was going. I'm like, at least he's played. <laughs> but, I, I mean, we talked about 
Brady Lyle, if the Bruins actually decide to sign him to an NHL contract this year, there well, one, there's a potential they they lose him to waivers, but um not, not exactly not exactly an offensive defenseman. I mean he's only got one goal, six points and thirty games played this year with Providence. First real in AHL season. Um and that's uh, if you look at his final season the uh, at the Owen Sound attack, I mean he had twenty two goals in sixty two games. That's wow. that's fairly good for a forward and for a defenseman better than fairly good. Point uh, per game. Based. Point per game in as a defenseman in the OHL. I suspect that there's some adjustments going on, uh, particularly with all the up and down of other defensemen in front of him. It just makes me wonder because he goes from and and, and yes, I understand the OHL, you know, and he's gotten progressively better as time has gone on. You know, he's 32, went up to 41, then. He went up to 65, first year in Providence, 25 games played. He has seven goals, seven assists. This year in 30 games, he's only got one goal. I mean, I know the team isn't great, but the offensive output really has dropped off. And I like Brady Lyle. We saw him at development camp. I mean, he's got the tools. Yes. It was obvious at development camp that he had the tools. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat curious as to what they're going to do with some of the prospects in their system. I really don't expect them to give up on John Beecher or move him for any reason. Um, still, I mean, still in school. So no, I don't expect it, but, um, we, we got to witness Andre Gesso at camp. Um, he was very much, uh, one of the more noticeable players for, inconsistency he improved over the week um trevor kuntar is on their reserve list he might end up if someone is like trevor kuntar if someone is actually watching him closely he might end up being that piece that completes a trade um third round pick in 2020 um 17 points in 25 games for bc this year um I suspect he's probably going to get a little tiny bit of scouting at the at the bean pot uh, on Monday, um, and then the following Monday, wherever it is that BC finishes up. Mm-hmm. I, I suspect that one or two eyes will be on him. You've got uh, Ryan Mast, another young defenseman who showed some signs of. I think he showed signs of being better than your average sixth round pick. Um, he's playing, he's at half a point per game this year for the Sarnia Sting. Um, going to be an interesting development curve on him. Mm-hmm. And as much as I would prefer him not to leave the system, I, I suspect that anyone who's actually watching Quinn Olson uh, closely is probably going to want him if they're looking uh, to upgrade their forwards. Um, This is his third college season, 15 points and 31 as, uh, as a freshman, 11 points and 28 uh, last season. This season, he's got 18 points in 16 games. 
Um, so steady improvement, clearly a distributor. And I loved watching him make passes at camp this year. I, I honestly think they may have a better body of talent in college than in the than in the AHL this year. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, based on what we saw at development camp, there was some talent there. I mean, obviously. And no, I didn't ma- mention Mason Lorai or well, Mason. He's in college. He's he's in college at Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken. They're, the odds that they move Mason Lorai for anything less than a ridiculous yeah, no. package are yeah. Low Rye not, is not going anywhere. They're not worth calculating. Lorai not on the list. <laughs> I don't think John Beecher is. I mean, looking at looking up Johnny Beecher's stats, it's his junior season at, at Michigan. He's played in 21 games. He's got eight points, four goals, four assists. One of them shorthanded goal. Uh, no power play goals. Uh, his shooting percentage is right around 10. So I don't know that he's going anywhere either. But I'd be more shocked to see Beecher move. Than than certain players on the roster, like okay, I would be as shocked to see Beecher moved as I would to see Grizzly or Carlo move. Okay. and that's pretty shocked. Um, we are actually doing a pretty good job of covering, covering territory this week. Um, we had a couple of stories uh, we wanted to we wanted to cover. A couple of stories. Uh, I just found uh, well, there's <laughs> one of the guys that we've talked about in years past. Uh, is uh, and he played in Minnesota with uh, with Miku Koivu was Eric Stahl. Fin- played last year with the Montreal Canadiens. Thirty seven years old, just turned thirty seven back in October. Not working. However, his not working and the fact that the NHL is not sending players to the Olympics means that he will be playing. He has been hired, uh, so to speak, as the captain of the Canadian Olympic team. And as it says in the story, (laughs) they were looking, they were hiring, he applied and he got the job. I think that's great for him. I, I think that this would be a nice way of, you know, depending on how he plays, you know, what kind of effort he puts out there and I'm sure that knowing him the effort will be a strong one he's going to be able to get himself some sort of prorated deal for the remainder of the season likely um, it would be great if he were playing at a high enough level to make it a make him a viable second center Um, and I think some team is probably going to make mistake of doing that I think at this point, if he comes in playing really, really well after the Olympics, he's probably a good three. Um, okay. Uh, I don't 
I'm not sure I can. I mean, he's Eric Stahl still has all of the brains it takes to play. I think his hands are still solid. I don't think his feet are up to what you'd need out of a number two. Um, and I think that in some ways his just pure aging, he he's been lucky enough to be fairly healthy in his career. I don't know that his reaction time is going to be at that level. Um, but I think as a number three, I'd be, I think, I think a team should be really happy. A fan base should be really happy uh, if they can get him to come in uh, and play because he's the last, just one of the, yeah. the last year of his, the last year he played with Montreal last season, obviously he was being, his cap hit was three and a quarter million. I don't anticipate having to give him that kind of money after the all-star break. And, and it, and it certainly is dependent upon how he performs. I mean, he gets out there and it's clear that he's not the Eric Stahl that everybody remembers. And, and I'm not expecting that he's going to be getting 50, 60 points in 20 games or anything like that, but to come out there and, and perform, he's a solid, he's always been a solid, solid two way player, 200 foot, 200 foot forward. I think that a third-line center position would certainly be acceptable for him. I'm not saying that the uh, certain teams, such as the one here at home, should be looking at him to fill the void at second. But then again, if you're playing Eric Howla as your second-line center, how much worse could it be for Eric Stahl to step into that role? I think Eric Stahl is going to win you more face-offs. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I don't think he's can skate as well as Hall can at this point. Um, and that's fine. This will be an advantage uh, for, for Stahl. Uh, and then you have the question of endurance. Like, where's his cardio? Yeah, well, if he, I mean, if if the first paragraph is to be believed, three months ago, it would have been a good bet that Eric Stahl would be stretched out on his couch this week, reliving Olympic memories rather than being an Olympic game at the Olympic Games, making new ones. Stretched out on his couch. I mean, has how much, how much has he been playing? What has he been doing for the last? Six seven months. Care of his kids and making grocery runs. Okay. You know, a really interesting team uh, that he might that might be useful to have him land on. Where, given that he plays both center and right wing. Okay, this is a joke, right? Carolina Hurricanes. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew that was if coming. You put him on that third line with Nita Ryder and Jordan Stahl uh, uh-huh. in place of Steve Lorenz, because let's face it, Steve Lorenz has played, has got six goals in 38 games, so it's not a huge loss. But you're adding you're adding a great faceoff guy. Mm-hmm. It's chemistry. And a bit instant, more instant chemistry. Jordan and Eric. 
Yeah. Gotta be hard to beat that. And he's played with more than with more than just Jordan, so I don't think he's gonna disrupt the room's chemistry on what arguably is the best team in the league. So well so if you were if you were to bring him to a Boston lineup and put him on the third line, that would move you could leave Charlie at center, put him at right wing. Right wing and have DeBrusque on the left. But I thought we were trading DeBrusque. Is this no longer an no, I'm just saying, is this no longer an option? Is DeBrusque now... Since November. Is DeBrusque now sticking because he requested a trade and it would seem that the fans were all for it when they booed him, but then all of a sudden when he scored, they were going crazy for him. Uh, it's not like he's been lighting it up. He has been playing harder and and that would be to his benefit if he wants to be dealt. He's got 15 points in 38 games, which is one point better than in three games less than last season. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if Jake DeBrus gets moved, you're theoretically picking up more points there. Uh, more, hopefully you're picking up draft prospects there. Uh, assuming you're not, assuming it's not part of a trade for a two C. Um, but that's – at this point, I don't expect DeBrusque to be traded. I just don't have the faith in Sweeney to do it. I don't have the faith in Sweeney to make the moves necessary to make this a viable playoff team. This – like – had the uh, – never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I will vent on Twitter later. Um, you can, you also, can vent now. That's why we're here. We were also talking before the show, at least cap crunch wise, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of space, assuming things go well. Yeah. The Bruins could afford both Klingberg and JT Miller in terms of getting under, in terms of staying under the cap, which would kind of be a boost to the team. My heart's slightly a flutter. Uh, I mean, I'm not sold on Klingberg, but you're, you're getting there. I think. I think making the power play even more dangerous and more importantly, making them more dangerous at five on five. Klingberg's a great skater, a great passer, an above average shot. I don't see how that's a bad move unless you're giving up both Grizzly and Carlo uh, to do it. And I can't see Sweeney's making that move. And I that- may make fun of some of the moves he makes, but I don't see that one happening. And that's fine. I don't want to trade Carlo. I don't. I don't want to get rid of Carlo at all. I want Carlo to stick around. I want Grizzly to stick around. Uh, McAvoy obviously is not going anywhere because uh, he's in the Hall of Fame already. Um, Absolutely. But could we deal a Mike Riley? Riley? Could we? De- I mean. Riley Forbert, yes. Do they yes. want to deal Forbert? I don't know that they want to deal Forbert. Because I think I think 
Sweeney was very happy with the signing of Derek Vaughan. But both of them are $3 million per for the next two seasons after this one. It's not like they're expensive. It's and and they're both high twenties. You know, Riley's twenty eight, Borbot's twenty nine, Grizzlick is three point seven. Our defense is not an expensive part of this team. Even no. even the Hall of Famer. It's well, next tough. year next year it goes off the well, deep end with him making nine and a half million. Eek. Expensive in terms of what you're paying for them, or expensive in terms of what you're getting for them. Two different questions. Um, Eek. What you could get yeah. for, I mean, Grizzlick at his price point, what you could get for him? Wow. From someone paying attention. From like someone uh, paying attention. I think that I think that you know he's a little smaller than they tend to prefer, but someplace like Nashville would take Grizzlick in a in a New York minute. I mean, just snatch him up and. How did you convince Brandon? I want to know how they convinced Brandon Carlo to take four point one million for the next five, six years. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm assuming there may have been like witchcraft involved. Yeah, <laughs> because whoever Brandon Carlo's agent is should be fired. <laughs> and of course, the Arizona Coyotes uh, complete the circle for making news for all the wrong reasons this week uh, in the NHL. <laughs> yes. Stumbled upon this literally just before the show. Just before we hit record, Chris says, oh my, there's this proposal for Arizona Coyotes, who, as we have discussed in previous episodes, the last couple of weeks, actually, don't have a home at the end of the season. Homeless Coyotes. Well, they are working out something, trying to get themselves into playing in the new building being built by Arizona State University Sun Devils. They and we Arizona State Sun Devils is that is that another pro team in this in the state that I forgot about? No, no, not a pro team. It it it's Arizona State University. Uh, actually, they've got a couple of they've got a kid who's uh, in the running for the um, uh, who's that guy that, that they named that trophy after? Oh, yeah. Hobie Baker. Yeah. As the best player in in, in the in, in college hockey. But apparently they have a, they had a one hundred and fifty million dollar budget plan to build uh, a multi-purpose arena while well, they now need to expand that from 115 to 134.7 million because as it says on page 10 out of the 15 pages of this report uh, this plan going to the um, board of regents meeting on february 10th and 11th asu has uh, no that they've contracted with oakview group mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then you get into Arizona, all costs for the annex and building required facility upgrades paid by the Arizona Coyotes because the Coyotes approached them in December of 2021 to propose playing their next three seasons, 23, 24, and 25 home games at the newly constructed multipurpose arena 
because they're going to need this while they spend three years building their own arena in the city of Tempe. My first thought was, my first thought was, did the has the dean of ASU and I don't you know who, the president whoever not received a phone call or a text from the mayor of Glendale saying what's wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you entertaining this? Have you not had any dealings with the ownership group for the Arizona Coyotes? <laughs> I don't understand how they are they are entertaining this. The the ownership group has alienated everyone, including their own GM, uh, ex GM, when they got rid of John Chaka. I mean, and now Arizona State is willing to climb into bed with these guys just to get money to add an annex and build NHL level locker rooms and and facilities and 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 the whole point right here of the cost for the annex building and required facility upgrades will be paid by the Arizona Coyotes. I refer you to an article in The Athletic where they don't like paying their bills. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're you're saying that we should pay att- that people should pay attention to the past behavioral history of ownership groups before entering into new deals with them? It sounds uh, like you're saying something along those lines. I, I know. I'm using something L and R, and, and I know that I should have learned long ago at, at, at Voice Stream slash T-Mobile that we're not allowed to do that. But they don't like to pay their bills. Read the articles that have been published. Read the court documents that have been out there. They don't like to pay their bills. They purposely hold off and go until the very end of a payment period and then suddenly have an issue with whatever's gone on so that they can drag it out even further. And then they try and nickel and dime you and get you to take the lowest amount of money possible. So Arizona State wants to increase the budget to 1347 the Coyotes' ownership isn't going to pay it. They need to stop. Have, they, need uh, to, they need to somehow. They need to somehow get really good lawyers in on this and make sure that they nail down the ownership group because they are going to find a way to weasel their way out of it. That's my major concern: is that Arizona State is going to get somehow shafted in this deal. I understand, uh, that, I understand that they are they you know I don't know if Arizona State can go to Batman and the if Batman really loves having a team in the desert and fine leave them there that's great I think that the more yes, areas of the country represented the better but they need to get some sort of reassurances on this because I'm worried that Arizona State is going to get shafted I uh I think that many reasonable people would share that concern. Many. Yeah. The the existing contractor is going to remain on site. The budget will be increased from 115 to 137. 
general construction is be, is scheduled to begin when the design is complete and all approvals are in place. Uh, completion targeted for December of 2022, so a year from now. I, I, I mean, obviously, the first question is, where are they going to play their games for the first two and a half months of the season? Um, and then uh, I'm assuming, and I'm assuming it's going to be in the current building. Uh, and then I don't know. I, it's just no, it's, they're it's not. scary to me because I I don't trust I don't trust the ownership of this team at all. From everything that I've read, I have zero trust that they are going to follow through and somehow Arizona State is going to get hosed in all this. And it, I don't know how else to phrase it without actually using cuss words. Um, I do not think you're wrong. And I think that's a really good place to leave things. As always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Enjoy the bean pot. Enjoy the return of the uh, NHL regular season, uh, the Olympics, and we will catch you next week.